Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. I'm just appreciative of our staff, our leaders, our board, and this church. This is just an awesome place to be. So, hello. Sorry, you saw me earlier. I was a little emotional. Is that okay? No emotions in church. Isn't that a Bible verse? No, it's not. (laughs) That's not a Bible verse. I once had someone, it was a couple college kids that I kind of looked up to at the church I kind of grew up at. One of them was actually Dennis and Vani Nolte's son, Isaiah. And I overheard Isaiah having a conversation with another college kid at this time, and I was a young high schooler. And Isaiah knows the Bible, and he knew the Bible really well even back then. And they're having a conversation, and Isaiah's friend, mid-conversation, goes, they're talking about fear and being afraid, and his friend goes, well, I just don't really have to be afraid, because wasn't it Jesus? You know, Jesus said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. (laughs) And some of you think that isn't the Bible. It's not. Isaiah looks at him like, 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 Jason, Jesus didn't say that. I think that's a president or something. Who quoted that? <laughs> like, we, we have nothing to fear, actually. Jesus sort of leveled up the quote, but I think that's funny. I just remember laughing at that. Anybody else have any Bible misquotes that, that, that you'd like to share at this time? <laughs> Humorous misquotes? I love it. I love it. You know, Jesus had a sense of humor. And... I don't know, you could maybe try to find that in the Bible and deduce that somehow, but I guarantee he did because he was human. And this morning, we're focusing in on the humanity of Jesus. We're starting our four-week Christmas series called What Child Is This? And I'm getting to share this morning on the humanity of Jesus. Jesus had a sense of humor, and I love that. But before I talk about his humanity, I just want to establish or kind of reiterate something that it should be obvious and is obvious, that we strongly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus is fully God, okay? So even this morning as I'm talking about the humanity of Jesus, please know and remember that by no means are we contradicting that Jesus is fully God. And the Bible's super clear on that. He's eternal without beginning and end. He has always been. He is and will always will be God. And I want to look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, just to show you this real quick. I think that'll be up on the screen. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So Jesus, we obviously know, is is eternal, is God, has been God from the beginning of eternity and will be forever God. But this morning, we're actually going to look at the humanity of Jesus. It's Emmanuel, God sent to earth as Jesus Christ given to us. Do you realize 
the gift that God gave to us and what we actually have right now in Christ, for centuries or thousands of years, mankind didn't have this gift that we have in Christ. The forgiveness of sins, but also access to know God, access to come to God and actually know and interact with him. I think in church, sometimes we can get so comfortable with the idea of God or even just the idea of church and going to church and doing praise and worship, whatever that means, and listening to a message that we can kind of forget the gift that's in Christ, which is access to God himself. Um, think back real quick to uh, when you were a kid. I want you to think of like the all-time greatest Christmas present that you wanted so badly. Think back to it. For me, it was a set of uh, Upper Deck 2004 basketball cards. I wanted the full box set. And I wanted this so badly. But you probably have something that you wanted so badly. And you can remember that feeling as a kid. It's like, I just want this so bad. And hopefully, if you got that gift, you can remember waking up Christmas morning or if you're one of those weird families who opens gifts on Christmas Eve, you know, opening gifts before Santa arrived. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but you open that present, and the exuberance, the joy that sort of overtakes you, there's probably old VHS recordings or camcorder recordings of you, like, ah, screaming, opening this present, like, I can't believe I got it. You open that thing up, and you are, like, obsessed with that toy or whatever it was for, like, for sure the day. It doesn't leave your sight hopefully the week, probably until school starts again. You, that's like all you wanted to do. Then school kind of starts. You get into the swing of the new year. And by the next Christmas, it's like you don't even really remember what you got the Christmas before. It's like you're kind of moved on to something else, hopefully something newer and exciting. I was pondering this. I kind of think this is possible for us as followers of Christ to find ourselves in the same place spiritually having received the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation, being overjoyed with it, being so in love with Jesus, and then kind of going to church and life kind of moves on, we kind of get bored with God. But I'm praying this morning that the awe and the wonder and the excitement of knowing the gift of Christ meant I have access to God. I can know him he can speak to me. I can feel his presence. We can be in deep relationship. I pray that this morning, even as I'm sharing, that that's renewed. And I think as we're looking at the humanity of Jesus this morning, um, that you'll see how close Christ really is to you in a fresh way. One of our key scriptures this morning, Isaiah chapter 9, and you're going to hear this scripture, I think, for the next four weeks, if we can put that on the screen. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7 it's kind of the iconic Christmas passage. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This morning, I'm focusing in on that very first phrase, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We're looking at the humanity of Jesus this morning. 
Did you know in the Gospels, and we know that Jesus is the Son of God, but in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself most often as the Son of Man. Jesus refers to himself most often, more than the Son of God, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. He is God in flesh. I want to read a short excerpt from an essay by Martin Luther King Jr. Speaking of Jesus, he says, like the rest of us, he got hungry. When at the well of Samaria, he asked the woman who was drawing water for a drink. When he grew tired, he needed rest and sleep. He learned obedience, we are told, in the way we must learn it. Jesus came as God in flesh, fully God and fully man. Jesus got hungry. Jesus grew tired. Jesus learned obedience. I don't want to look at the life of Jesus. We know that he was born in Nazareth, probably into a poor Jewish family. We know his mother Mary, the virgin birth. Jesus was a baby who cried, ate, slept, pooped. Anybody in here have a child like under the age of one right now? Yeah? <laughs> you do. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Jesus cried, he ate, he pooped, he peed. I don't know what diapers were like back then. Probably not as pampery as they are today. But I'm assuming, I mean, he's born in a stable for crying out loud. I'm assuming it wasn't like a nice environment to, to, to enter the world, right? As a child, this is God. Jesus had a childhood. And the, the Bible's so interesting. We see the birth story of Jesus. Then we have just a few glimpses into his childhood. Just a couple little experiences his family fleeing and traveling to a different nation, uh, moving around again. But there are a few things we can kind of deduce from history. It's likely that Jesus went to school. Have you ever considered that? Mary was, as, as far as we know, a poor Jewish girl, gave birth to Jesus, you know, was pledged to be married to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. But in that time and in that area that they lived and the culture that they lived in, Jesus probably went to a small Jewish school, was taught the Bible, the Old Testament, I should say, at school from his parents, from close friends of his parents. I don't really know. Do you think Jesus was like an A-plus student or was he human enough that he like had some bad test scores? I'm just kind of literally wondering. But you can ponder that. Jesus was human. He was human. We see another depiction of Jesus' childhood in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. I'm just going to summarize this. But Jesus' parents, his whole family, had gone to Jerusalem for this festival of the Passover, and Jesus got lost. I believe in this story he's about 12 years old, if I'm remembering right. But Jesus actually gets lost. Anyone ever lost your child in the mall, in a store? If you have a really big house in your home, anyone? But that feeling of losing your child, Jesus actually got lost. It's kind of crazy. He got lost for like days. When his parents finally found him, he was back at the temple. And he says to him, didn't you understand that I needed to be in my father's house? They didn't really understand what he was saying to them. But he goes to Nazareth. He's obedient to them. So Jesus actually got lost. Another interesting part of Jesus' life, Jesus worked a normal job. And we don't really see this in the scriptures other than we know that he was a carpenter. That also could be uh, 
translated as like a builder or kind of a handyman. So Jesus knew how to build things. I'm still praying for that anointing, Lord. I would so appreciate that. But Jesus worked a normal job. When we look at all that Jesus does in the Gospels, that's in like a, just a couple of years time span. From what we can tell, about three years of Jesus' life. So there's this gap in there where Jesus was probably working as a carpenter, making maybe furniture, um, fixing things, building things for other people, probably interacting like with society and both Jewish people and non-Jewish people, selling goods to them. He had a very normal job. Jesus was tempted. This is also interesting about Jesus. Jesus was tempted. We see the Holy Spirit at one point, before Jesus' ministry, actually leads Jesus into the wilderness. And we watch this, this story take place. The devil tempts Jesus. The devil says, if you are the son of God, tries to make Jesus question who he was. And the devil does it again. If you are the son of God, do this. And Jesus answers with scripture. But Jesus actually faced temptation. Do you face temptation? Um, let me just ask some of the veteran Christians in here, maybe like 20 years plus, 30 years plus. Raise your hand if you've been a follower of Christ for like over 30 years. How about that? Just lift your hand up. Do you still face temptation? I'm just kind of curious. I'm, is that a yes? How about over 40 years? Anybody been following Jesus over 40? Some of you are scared because it's revealing your age. I'm sorry. Over 50 years. No. Look, Jesus faced temptations of many kinds as well. He experienced a human life here on this earth. After Jesus is tempted by the devil and he resists the devil, it says the devil fleed from him and angels came and attended to him. So the difference between you, me, and Jesus is that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. But Jesus was tempted and actually never gave in to temptation, which is fascinating. I do want to release some of you from this. Some of you feel like you're such a sinner because you face temptation. Temptation is common to man. So to be tempted, I just want to release you from feeling like I'm such a horrible person for having a temptation. It's kind of crazy. The devil actually tempted Jesus too. With the Spirit's power, we can resist temptation and overcome. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Think about this, Jesus experienced betrayal. He experienced betrayal, even from closest friends. Think about Peter denying him in the garden. Think about Judas. When we think of Judas, we think what an evil person. He was one of the disciples. One of the 12 closest people to Jesus betrayed him. I'm gonna share some more experiences of Christ, but as I'm sharing these, my prayer is that you, in your experience of life, good, bad, and ugly, would find relationship more deeply with Christ as you're realizing he experienced my pains. He walked through the same things that I've faced. That our experience of him would deepen as I'm sharing more of these. So Jesus experienced betrayal. Jesus knew great sorrow. 
He experienced great sorrow at one point over the spiritual blindness of a city he longed to save. The Bible shows us that. He experienced great sorrow. Isaiah 53, verse 3. This is such an interesting depiction of Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. This is a depiction of Jesus, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus experienced overwhelming anxiety. This is God. (laughs) He relates to us in our lowest places. Jesus experienced overwhelming anxiety. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion. Anxiety to the point of sweating drops of blood. The emotional turmoil that Christ went through is deeper than even you or I have faced. Jesus was misunderstood. He was misunderstood by those who watched him grow up. At one point in Jesus' ministry, he returns to his town, teaches in the synagogue, and the Bible tells us, the people said of him, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. Jesus was misunderstood deeply misunderstood, even by the people who probably watched him grow up, who kind of raised him. Jesus was deeply misunderstood by many around him. Jesus knew what it was like to be loved for what he did instead of for who he was. Jesus knew what it was like to be loved for what he did instead of loved for who he was. I think about the 10 lepers that he healed. He heals 10 lepers of leprosy, an uncurable skin disease that makes you an outcast in society. And only one comes back to thank him and give praise to God. Jesus says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Only one of the 10 came back. So Jesus understood what it was to be loved for what he did more than for who he was. He relates to us. Jesus experienced great physical pain, more than any of us can imagine. And we know this, obviously, through his journey to the cross. I get one sliver, and I'm like crying. You know what I'm saying? Jesus endured so much physical pain more than any of us have ever imagined or walked through. He relates to us in our physical pain. The beating, the whips, the crown of thorns, being pierced with nails in his wrists or hands and feet. Jesus knows great physical pain. Jesus knew abuse and public humiliation. Mark 15, 32. While Jesus is on the cross, the religious leaders continued mocking Jesus, saying, let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. He experienced the most extreme 
public humiliation, verbal abuse that we could ever imagine. Jesus relates to us. Jesus experienced great loss, great loss of loved ones, family and friends. When his friend Lazarus dies, Jesus weeps. Jesus' cousin John, John the Baptist, was beheaded. And from what we can tell, Jesus lost his earthly father, Joseph, probably between the age of 12 and when he started his ministry. So Jesus experienced great loss. He relates to us. And Jesus felt forsaken by God himself. This is the lowest, lowest of lows. Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt so low in this place that he actually felt forsaken by God himself. Why am I sharing all this? We're looking at the humanity of Jesus and I pray that you're beginning to realize and maybe even feel in your heart in things that you've faced or walked through, Jesus knows. Jesus feels. I loved what Sophia was saying. God's not out there somewhere far off, unrelatable. He knows, feels, has faced and walked through everything that we face and walk through. I have two more passages of scripture to share with you. Hebrews chapter five, are you still okay? Hebrews chapter five, we're talking about a high priest. This is what the high priest did for the Israelite people in the old covenant. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. If you jump to Hebrews 4, this is what Jesus now does for us. We don't have earthly high priests anymore who put off the penalty of our sin with sacrifices. We have Jesus Christ, and the Bible calls him our high priest. He has been made a priest in the order of Melchizedek, the Bible says. But this is what the Bible says about Jesus, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Get this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, Jesus, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. Jesus understands you. Jesus understands you. Even the parts about you that you don't understand and the things that you face that you don't understand. Jesus understands you and he knows you. And he's able to relate to what you and I have walked through. As that passage says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I just want to invite Soph to come to the piano again. Do you just stand with me? We're just going to close and pray. But this is where I want us to end this morning, is just coming to the throne of grace. Remember what I shared at the beginning, that gift. It's not a Christmas gift like childhood where we forget by the next year we move on to something better. There's nothing better than the gift of Jesus. And I'm praying that our awe would be renewed this morning. I'm praying that our desire for Jesus, the greatest gift, would be renewed this morning. Not in a cheesy fashion, like, oh, remember the baby who was born. In a real tangible way that you have access to God because of what Jesus did. Sometimes it can be easy to come to church because it's just what we do. And we forget, maybe God really wants to touch me today. Maybe God really wants to intersect my life right here this morning. And it's so easy to get so comfortable and just think, oh, God will touch, will touch other people here and that's cool. I just come to church because I can serve or I get to kind of say hi to people. It's what I do because I'm Christian. Jesus gave you access to God himself. And I'm praying that God will renew our desire and our awareness of the access that we have to him this morning. So let us approach his throne of grace with confidence. Just turn your attention to the Lord if you want to close your eyes and just pray. But let's approach his throne of grace to receive. I just want to ask you this morning, what do you need from the throne of grace today? Is it strength to keep going through a difficult circumstance? Jesus has been there. Is it truth and the Spirit's power to overcome and resist temptation? Jesus has been there. Is it wisdom for a challenging situation or decision? Jesus has been there. Are you tired and in need of rest and refreshing from the Spirit of God? Jesus has been there. Do you need patience and kindness to overwhelm the parts of your heart that still have a propensity towards anger? Jesus knows what that feels like. Are you a parent in need of more grace and patience for your children? It's all at the throne of grace. Are you a child in need of more love for your siblings? It's at the throne of grace. 
Are you overwhelmed by responsibilities of this life? There's rest at the throne of grace. Do you need a place to just be honest before God with where you're really at? There's place at the throne of grace. And maybe you just need renewed awe or desire for Christ. There's a place for you at the throne of grace this morning. Lord, we come to your throne of grace with confidence. We know it's in the acknowledgement of our weakness and our humanity that we gain capacity to receive from you. So we acknowledge our need for you this morning, Jesus. And I pray, Father, for each specific need that you would meet us, Lord, at the throne of grace this morning. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.